0: I had asked Atticus this morning, pray for Papa. I've got to sing this morning. I need prayer. He goes, okay, I will tell Miss Annette, Papa needs prayer this morning. <laughs> so he, he helped me there. And then it was funny because when I came in here, he said, Papa, have you sang yet? I said, no, not yet. He said, well, when are you going to sing? I said, when I'm supposed to. He just kind of looked at me like, okay. So anyway, I said, you'll be in children's church. Don't worry, you'll be okay. Just pray. <laughs> Our text is in John chapter 5, of course, as we continue through the book of John, verses 25 through 29, and I'm going to ask you to stand in our great God's honor as I read aloud. I tell you the truth, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. Let's pray. Jesus we come worshiping you this morning. Um, you tell us what is yet to come, Lord. And we do we need to take you seriously, not lightly. And I just pray this morning as we um, continue in this service that your spirit will continue among us, Lord. As we have sang and as we have as we have given and as we have prayed and Each and every aspect of this service together, it's to bring you glory, and I want that to continue. So, Holy Spirit, we continue to give you freedom, move among us. In your name we pray, amen. I had the privilege of hearing Scott preach last week. We got back early, See, and I were worried that if we didn't leave the day before, I don't know, something would happen. Maybe we wouldn't get back for the baptism, and I appreciate Scott so much did a good job Uh, a couple of weeks ago when i preached the passage before this we talked about how the most popular question today seems to be who am i and i made the point that that's only half the question the real question is who am i in relationship to jesus christ jesus made bold claims regarding who he is claims that clearly said i am god Our our sense of worth is not to be found anywhere except in Him. I heard Frank Turek, who is an apologist, say this week as I was listening to him on a podcast. He said, "Christianity is the only faith where our worth is not acquired but received." You know, it tells us in John chapter one verse twelve. Yet to all who received Him. To those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. So it's received through Him. Uh, I'm going to read to you here just briefly words uh, from a song that Cindy and I have always loved. It's written by Keith and Kristen Getty and popularized, performed by Fernando Ortega. And uh, here's the words. My worth is not in what I own, not in the strength of flesh and bone, but in the costly wounds of love at the cross. My worth is not in skill or name, and win or lose, in pride or shame, but in the blood of Christ that flowed at the cross. I rejoice in my Redeemer, greatest treasure, wellspring of my soul. I will trust in Him, no other. My soul is satisfied in Him alone. As summer flowers we fade and die, fame, youth, and beauty hurry by but life eternal calls to us at the cross. I will not boast in wealth or might or human wisdom's fleeting light, but I will boast in knowing Christ at the cross. Two wonders here that I confess, my worth and my unworthiness, my value fixed, my ransom paid at the cross." There's a memory verse I've been working on that's in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30. Uh, and it's in um, the living, let's see, New Living Translation. Try to get all these translations down. There's so many of them. But in the verse, God says, um, But I promised among the clan of the tribe of Levi, my priest would come. And then he says, as he's speaking to these priests, these leaders, he says, I will honor those who honor me, but I will despise those who think lightly of me. And as we come to this section of Scripture, Jesus is talking to some priests, to some Jewish leaders, who are thinking lightly of him. They do not understand who they stand in the presence of. And they are upset because Jesus is calling them out on their petty rules, that they have attached to the Sabbath. And they're angry with him. Because he has broken their rules. But the truth of the matter is. He is the only one who rules. We can get caught up in our religious practices. And miss him. That is what happened with them. And he proceeds. And that's going to be our focus today. As he continues on speaking to uh, <laughs> these people who took uh, who thought of him lightly. I, I want us to see. Um, what is yet to come. As he describes three areas. And we're going to look at that this morning. Uh, number one. Everyone dies. And, and Scott made that clear last week. <laughs> and then number two. We will all be judged. But there is a judgment. And then number three. There will be a resurrection. Everyone. Rises. So, uh, starting out here, first, everyone dies. Look at verse 25 again in our text. I tell you the truth, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Now, that word death in this text is necrosis and it's from the word we get necrosis. Uh, where the blood starves the tissue, cells in an organ are damaged, and necrotic tissue develops, as tissue begins to die. And, and so the, the word here is speaking of death, of a physical death that occurs. In, in verse 28, Jesus says, Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice. This is a picture of a cemetery A place where we think of the dead, where their remains are, where we go to remember someone that we deeply care about. And yet, as we look at our text, Jesus is not only talking about physical death. Physical death is a reality, but he is also talking about spiritual death. They're used interchangeably, different points in the scriptures, in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 it says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. You see, we all face that fact that apart from Christ, we are not alive spiritually. And we face a future where we will be condemned. We preachers don't talk about that too often in churches these days. But Jesus talked about it. As a matter of fact, it's it's kind of interesting, as you look in the Scriptures, Jesus talked about hell more than anybody else. So now, you know, we can say, well, I don't want to talk about hell. Well, Jesus did. <laughs> he, he spoke about it. Someone has said, as far as death goes, uh, I know you've heard the saying, death and taxes... One person will say, you know, those are the only two things that are inevitable. But death doesn't seem to get worse every time Congress meets. But taxes do. But let me tell you, death can get worse. If you do not have a right relationship with the Savior of the world, death is not a good place to be. It's just the truth of the Scripture. Truth of the text. Secondly, everyone will be judged. Go back with me in our text here to verse 22. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. Jesus makes a a point here that is interesting. (laughs) He says, you guys are thinking about the Heavenly Father as the ultimate judge But I am telling you, that is my role. The Father has entrusted to me all judgment. And judgment tends to be something that is kind of hush-hush in many churches today. Outside the church, we just don't believe it. God is love, and He will receive you no matter what you've done, no matter where you are, no matter if you think about Him or not, because He is the essence of love and and you know all of that and it's just a one side of God God is bigger than just the fact that he is love he's also judge the scripture tells us that inside the church it's often ignored now let's not fire people up and make them mad by telling them they're sinners (laughs) you know that kind of thing That can happen. As a matter of fact, the word judgment occurs 190 times in the Bible. And if you take all of its forms, uh, judge, judgment, judging, when applied to God, it's used 450 times. Uh, I won't spend a lot of time here, but just kind of going through the Scripture, you can't really miss God's judgment if you really read the Bible. Adam and Eve, when they're kicked out of the garden as a result of their disobedience, Noah, in that time where judgment was coming an ark was built, most people died in the flood. Sodom and Gomorrah, there was a volcanic catastrophe, people died as a result of their sin. Egypt, the ten plagues, in order for Israel to get out, there had to be judgment upon Egypt. Then, of course, there was the golden calf, worshiping the golden calf, and judgment fell upon the people and Then there were others, Nadab, Ebihu, Dothan, Korah, Achan. Uh, The Bible all speaks about judgment they faced. And, And then you find out that God's people were thrown into captivity by the Assyrians. And then later they went into captivity, the southern kingdom in Judah, to Babylon. And then you go over to the New Testament. Jesus judged Capernaum, Chorazin, Bethsaida, and he said those three cities around Galilee that it will be more tolerable for you in the day of judgment than for Sodom and Gomorrah. And he went on to explain why he said that. He said, because you have seen miracles. You have heard my words, and yet you refused to repent. Then at the Mount of Olives, uh, Jesus judges Jerusalem, and he says, You did not recognize me. I am here, and you do not see me. You don't understand. He predicted with tears the coming destruction in 70 AD of the temple. It doesn't stop there, though. In the book of Acts, we see judgment in the church. Ananias and Sapphira, you know, playing the game of being spiritual. And boy, did they pay a price for that, as we remember. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says, There was judgment among some who took the Lord's Supper and did not take it seriously. Judgment occurred. So there's judgment throughout the Bible. To deny that there will be judgment is really just not to be honest to the Scriptures and to our holy God. Who being holy and set apart, He cannot look upon sin and ignore it. But the good news for us, the reason why I think Jesus is the judge is because he is the one who took our judgment upon himself. That is what the cross is about. I deserve to be condemned. I deserve being separated from God for all of eternity because of the sin in my life. But Jesus, he took that sin upon himself. The sin that I deserved. And he paid for it. Guys, that is the good news of the cross of Jesus Christ. He, he is our judge. As a matter of fact, uh, look with me in the scriptures. We'll go through this real quickly. In verse 25, it says, I tell you the truth, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. The Son of God. He God. He's God. Without sin. He came among us. uh, Many did not recognize him, did not see him, but he was there. God himself. But drop down to verse 27, and he says, And he has given him authority, the Father has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Son of God, Son of Man. Son of God is a reference to the fact he is God, he is deity. Son of man is to a reference that he is also a man, that he took up humanity upon himself. Eighty-three times the term son of man is used in the four gospels, and it is usually used in a reference to the cross, the place where God judged the sin of mankind. So obviously, the one who is judged for the sin of others, for your sin and for my sin, Who better to be the judge of the world? That's his role. That's his job. Now, unbelievers, those who do not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and receive God's antidote, remedy for sin, they will face a judgment for their sin. But for those who are believers in God, those who are children of God, who believed on the name of Christ Jesus, we will not be judged for our sin. Thank you, Lord. Because we're all a mess, right? <laughs> the Bible tells us first, uh, in Romans 8 1, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But we will face a judgment. It will not be for our sin, but it will be for our service. In Romans and in 1 Corinthians, there is a reference in both of those to the Bema seat, to this judgment that will judge our service, not our sins, our faithfulness. Uh, In that day, the Olympic athletes would stand on this platform. They would be judged according to their performance in the event in which they competed. And uh, they would receive medals for how they ran or how they were successful in a specific event at the Olympics. And the point is how you run the race, how you live for God, how you walk with God, and we will be judged according to that. And, you know, that's a lot to think about (laughs) um, for sure. But it's it's not like the Olympics where we're, you know, against each other. It's like, well, man, I ain't much... But surely I can, I can be better than that guy in the church or that girl in the church or my job is just to be a better pastor than the pastor over there. Huh, think I can do that, Lord. That's not the point at all. It's not like we are all competing against one another to say, you know, I want my medal and you're not going to get mine because I do a better job. That's not the point at all. That is not what it means to be judged by our service. Kind of like the story I heard of the pastor that went to heaven. Peter was, you know, talking to him, giving him the rundown on what was going on. And the pastor got offended because there was this taxi driver that had a more honored place in heaven. And he just could not believe it. He goes, Peter, what is the deal here? I was a pastor. I gave my life to Christ. I served his people. I was faithful for many years. What is the deal that this taxi driver? has more prominence than me. Peter said, well, it's really quite simple. Here, you know, we judge on how effective you are. When you got up to preach, you put a lot of people to sleep. Let's just face it, okay? But this guy, when they got in his taxicab, they didn't go to sleep, and boy, did they pray. <laughs> That's not how it will be. It's not some competition among ourselves. It is literally about the race. Between us and Jesus. How do you love him? How are you serving him? It's it's a personal, individual type of judgment that will occur as we follow him as we're in his presence. In Matthew 25, it talks about the parable of the talents. Basically, it was about those who used what they had for the glory of God. That was their task. Remember, the, the only guy where they were rebuked was the guy who tried to bury his talents and didn't use them. God's asking us, don't bury your talents. Use them for me. Be available. I love that old saying, you know, as a Christian, be fat, faithful, available, teachable. Uh, that is the point. One commentator said... Uh, Heaven will be for enjoyment, but this is the time for employment. We're to be on the job. C.T. Studd, an evangelist of the past, said, Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Uh, These are the judgments that will be faced. Uh, Quite frankly, if you don't know Jesus, verse 24 won't apply to you but it applies to those who are part of God's family in Jesus. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. That's where the hope lies. Um, W.C. Fields, who was a comedian and... Uh, In the early part of the 19th century. They found him on his deathbed. And he did not care anything about God or the Bible. And he's thumbing through through a Bible. And his friend walks in. And he's like. WC. I've never seen you reading a Bible. What are you doing with a Bible? He said. I'm looking for loopholes. The only loophole. I hate to even use that word. Is Jesus. The only one worthy to pay for our sin, the only one who is able to pay the price we can not is Christ. He loves us with an unconditional love, and we can place our confidence in Him. And one last one here. uh, In verses 28 and 29, everyone rises. It is a picture of resurrection for everyone. Believers and unbelievers alike. Uh, Let's read those verses. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. So that's a picture of everybody. You know, some people have this idea, well, you know, when you die, you... You just go back in the ground, and you decay, and that's the end of it. It's over. But that's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what Christ said. Christ said, regardless, you will rise. You will be resurrected. In Revelation chapter 20, uh, there is a picture of this resurrection. So uh, turn with me there to Revelation 20. Um, of course, getting really close to the end of the Bible, the last book of the Bible. There's a picture of a court scene, and uh, it's really quite frightening uh, because this particular court scene, it deals with those who are resurrected, but not to life. They're facing condemnation um, starting at verse four. I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony for Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life, resurrected to life, and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So that is for the true believers. They're raised to life. Now, some people say, well, why do you, you know, there's going to be a resurrection body. Why do do we need a resurrection body? Couldn't we just kind of float around up there and, 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 you know, be kind of like a a ghost or, or spook and, you know, and all that stuff. The truth is because a resurrection body will be needed. And guys, for most of us, there are true signs that this body is not what it once was. You know, I like to joke, I tell my son all the time, I heard this on the sports radio years ago where the guy said, Son, your mind is writing checks your body can't cash. It seems as life goes on, it's like, what did I do yesterday? Why am I hurting? Where did, what happened? You know, this body is moving toward decay. But the truth of the matter is, we will have a new body. And the fact of the matter is, everyone will have a new body. We don't talk about this very frequently. For those of us who belong to Jesus, and we will be with God forever, and we'll be heaven. And man, it's going to be a wonderful place. We're not just going to sit up there and play harps and sit on clouds and all that. There is going to be eternity, and it's going to be fun. We're going to be together, and we'll be doing things and accomplishing things. And I can't explain everything that's going to occur because I'm not that smart. But I tell you this, if God's got it all planned, it's good. And that is... That's what's going to happen. But there also will be a need for the body, for those who choose not to follow God. You know, sometimes we have this idea, well, well, God, you know, chose people to, uh, hell, chose people to not receive him. No, the crazy thing, C.S. Lewis, in one of his books wrote, he said, you know, we will all choose. The problem is there are people who have decided, I want to go to hell. As hard as that is to sound or to hear, it's almost like they think, well, hell's just going to be some big party. Man, the reason Jesus spoke so much about it, more than anyone else, is because he knows there's hell and he does not want anyone to go there. That's why he spoke this passage to those religious leaders who were so full of themselves that it smelled. You know? (laughs) Stinky stuff. (laughs) Because he wanted them to understand you can be forgiven <laughs> but they don't they wouldn't even want to go to where jesus was they didn't believe in jesus they didn't trust jesus they had no real conception of of who he was so it tells us in the scripture here that for a thousand years is this resurrection to life of those who have been made new in jesus christ and then as we come to the next part of the scripture at verse 5 he says the rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who have part in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. And then drop down to verse 11. Uh, There's some uh, information given about what's going to occur after that. Verse 11 it says, Then I saw a great white throne... And him who was seated on it, earth and sky fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. The books were open. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Man. Did you see the difference in the text? The group that is facing condemnation, the group that is facing judgment are solely dependent upon the quality of their works. I'm going to make it to heaven, or I don't care about heaven. I'm good enough to be where I want to be after I die. I can handle it. And the group that is able to be with Jesus and be in heaven is the group that says, it is not about my works. It is about His works. It is about Calvary. It is about the cross. It is about the finished work of his death. For my sake, it makes all of the difference. Um, Guys, uh, it's the most important question um, to ask. You, You will be resurrected. The question is, resurrected to where? (laughs) And who will you be with? Man, that makes all the difference. One writer had said, I love the way he put it. He said, if you are an unbeliever, if you do not believe in Jesus, your best days are behind you. But if you are a believer in Christ, if you belong to Him, your best days are ahead of you. Which are you? Are your best days behind you? Do you look back and say, Oh man, if only I could go back to then. If only I could live then. Or do you understand that in Jesus Christ, your sins have been paid in full and your best days are ahead of you. There will be a great worship. There will be a a great reunion. Man, I look forward to seeing some people I love and miss very dearly. And that will occur because of Christ. But if you do not know Christ, you will not see those people. It makes a difference. I'm going to close with this. Uh, when our kids were small, my wife read to them the, bo- uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, which are children's books written by C.S. Lewis. Great books. And... Uh, it was just a blessing. If, if you haven't read them, I encourage you to. They're children's books, but of course C.S. Lewis, even children's books might be already. What a writer. But anyway, in the last book, the seventh book, it was entitled The Last Battle. And the scene is that the characters, these children that are growing up, um, they're dead. They had died. And Aslan, who was a lion, is speaking to them. And um, anyway, there is this picture of what awaits after death. I I just want to read it uh, to you. Um, And as Aslam spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion, but the things that began to happen after that were so great, so beautiful, that I cannot even write about them. And for us, this is the end of the stories And we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. Their life in this world, all of their adventures in Narnia, had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever and ever In which every chapter is better than the one before. Every time I read that, I want to get Bapticaostal, man. That is some good stuff. That's what awaits us. So are your best days behind? Or are they yet to come? Let's pray. God, I thank you for each person here, each person of King's Way, Lord, and Maybe someone here who is visiting or a guest. Father, we just are grateful you noticed us and you came. Father, you did what we think is inconceivable. God becoming man. All this, Father, was so that we could be with you. Because it was not going to happen any other way. So, Lord, I pray this morning that you would just continue to speak by your spirit to people listening online people here in person father that we would just simply obey your call upon our lives lord if you want us to come forward to pray if you want us to make a decision for you right where we are if you want us to share with the church family hey god is <laughs> working on me and i need to share with you what he is doing in my life father we just simply want to give you freedom to move in us and father you're the audience so lord thank you for this time together and in this time we call invitation or response father move us in your name we pray amen